Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics and passages concerning the Bible, or actually biblical topics. Let me put it that way. My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm an associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And our regular panel is with us today, Pastor Don McDonald from Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois, and Pastor Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. And we're going to talk today about missions, mission to Thailand. And why would we be doing that? Because our own Josh Kugel just got back from a mission trip to Thailand. Um, and Josh, I think I'm just going to let you start out by explaining a little bit about what this mission was about and, and what your... What your um, team did there and just we'll go from there and then afterwards maybe Don and I can ask some questions and we can have a little discussion. Sounds good. Um, so I went on it's a, uh, a vision trip to Thailand where we met with a ton of missionaries and church workers there um, and the hope was and the hope is that those of us who's, who are pastors that went will develop or or uh, uh, be given a heart for the people of Thailand and the work done in Thailand to where we would encourage people in our church to go. So it was kind of a, it was a quick trip. It was seven days, about five days of work. Um, given layovers and everything else, each way there was about 40 hours. So uh, um, it was, you know, it was a hard week, but uh, it was, it was a really good week. But I want to start out by saying this is actually what I preached on the week I got back because I, I talked a lot about the trip then. And um, I brought my youngest daughter. She's 16. Her name's Evie. Um, my wife and I, Holly and I, have made a uh, commitment that before each one of our girls gets out of the house, we'll take them on at least one out-of-the-country mission trip because... Both of us uh, love mission work. We've both been on many trips, but we want our kids to also love mission work and hopefully go on many more trips. Um, and I was thrilled today. My my middle daughter called me and she said she was up in Rolling Fork, um, which is one of the towns hit by a tornado in the Delta. And she's just up there cleaning and, and helping. So I was just thrilled by that. But so we're praying that God helps them develop a love for missions, but, you know, we obviously know that we have part in that. So, um, we, I, I signed up to take her. Um, I was called by, uh, the guy in charge of the trip and he said he talked to the person in our denomination who, uh, is, is responsible for this trip. And they, um, recommended that I did not take my daughter Evie to Thailand with me. And the reason they recommended that is because Thailand is the second, I think the second in the world for human trafficking. And so uh, Evie is a, a, she's a tall blonde girl and um, you know, she sticks out a little bit. And so um, the guy in charge of the trip said, uh, Josh, uh, I'm just telling you what they said. Um, 
I'm going to let you do what you want because she's your daughter, but just know that I'm not responsible for her. So I started to get a little panicked and I was still obviously going to take her because I felt like God wanted us to go or me to go and wanted, um, and it's just a great opportunity for her, but I was just going to be really, really safe. Um, and so I told our church that, um, and they began to pray for us and I began to pray for us. And my number one prayer request for the trip was that we would be safe. And about midway through the trip, and I was praying obviously for other things, but that was our main trip, the main concern. About midway through the trip, um, it kind of hit me. Um, Josh, if you want to be safe, and if that's going to be your primary prayer request, you really should have stayed home. Um, and, and I remembered, and this is kind of what I preached on. You, you guys have probably preached on the same thing. Um, in the Chronicles of Narnia, I think it was Susan that came to understand that Aslan was a lion. And she started to panic because uh, Aslan obviously representing Jesus, Chronicles of Narnia being a great Easter story. Um, she asked Mr. Beaver, well, is, is, you know, he's a lion? Yes, he's a lion. what do you think? And she said, well, is he safe? And, uh, you guys may know this, Mr. Beaver responds, well, of course he's not safe. He's a lion, but he is good. And what convicted me then is I've been praying for safe when Jesus or when God was trying to give me something better than safe. And why on earth would I go on a, a mission trip? if uh, I wanted to be safe <laughs> and, and I do, obviously I want to be safe, but if that's my primary goal, why go? Um, and so I began to change not only what I was praying, but also what I was expecting from it. And I began to pray, God, help us to be part of your work here. Help us to see something amazing. Uh, help us to, uh, you know, contribute something. Help us to build something in Evie that seeks adventure for the kingdom and all this other stuff. And um, what I came back with was just for, for the other thing is I talked to some people in Thailand. I met some people that were Christian people in Thailand and they they and I told them my story. You know, they told me I shouldn't bring my daughter and all this stuff. And they said, why? <laughs> and they said, it's safer here than it is over there. And I said, well, what about human trafficking? And they explained the human trafficking there seems to have more to do with families that have kids that they're not taking care of or that they're you know struggling with or abusing and and I, traffickers kind of identify those kids and begin to lure them away and all and so at least where we were Evie didn't seem to be in any kind of major distress but I was just thinking how my focus and my obsession on safety almost ruined uh, or could have ruined our entire trip and then I began to think there was a girl I was a youth pastor over uh, about 18, 20 years ago, and God had put a call to missions on her life. And she began to respond to that call and began to look into missions and started to raise money. And her mom spoke up and said, no, 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 she can't go. It's too unsafe. And she began to badger her daughter over and over again and finally just killed that desire to do missions in her. And over the next few years, I just watched her daughter just stray from faith and all because I... I just, and so I wonder if our focus on, on safety, on convenience, on whatever else keeps us from what God has for us in so many things, but specifically in, 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 in this kind of trip. So 
that was way too long of a uh, of a start to this. But you know, um, Josh, and so I, you, you guys I, have anything in this part? I'm in agreement with you, Josh, on on that issue of safety because way back when, when my daughter was at Olivet University there in Bourbon A, she felt a call to do a short term mission trip to India. And I, being father, was going, cause we're, we're talking about a person who, if you turn her a quarter, is lost, who gets confused in which way a door opens, who, you know, it's like, and she's extremely brilliant. It's not that. She just sometimes lacks common sense. And there was a part of me that was like, no, you can't go because I need you safe. You know, I'm a dad. I need you safe. And I was talking to one of my parishioners and she looked at me and she said, you know, pastor, I don't mean to be this way with you, but I'm, I'm going to be the one that's going to challenge you to say your daughter doesn't need to be safe. She needs to be used of God. And she says, what happens if 10 years down the line, your daughter's busy raising a child, pursuing her career, and she regrets she didn't get to do that mission work in India. And I, I think mission work is something where you have to say you have to remove the word safety and convenience and just give yourself to God and see where he takes you, you know, and, and that's where I feel you're right on the money in the process, because even my call to ministry, I didn't want to be in the pulpit because I'm shy. I'm not a good grammarian. I mean, every Sunday I preach, I always feel like I'm out on that edge, scared to death because I fight my shyness all the time. And yet you have to give yourself to God and say, God, you take it, you deal with it. You will do great things if I let you lead and not worry about being safe and not yeah. worry about convenience. So I, I, no, it's not, it's not too long of an intro at all because mission work sometimes is inconvenient and sometimes it isn't safe. So. One of the things that I uh, remember, because I agree with what you guys are both saying, um, one of the things that I remember from the Bible is that when Paul and uh, Barnabas were first sent to spread the gospel to places where it had not yet been preached, they said that John Mark went along with him, with them, I should say. And a couple of chapters later, they're going to go on further on the mission trip, and John Mark left them. And one of the things that I realized when I read that passage is that I believe that it's good to do missions. It's good to do these things. But the Holy Spirit told Paul and uh, Barnabas at the beginning to, he told the church to set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work that I've called them to do. He didn't mention John. He didn't mention John Mark, but he kind of went along. It's okay to go on these things, but what I want to focus on a little bit is the call that people get to go on these things. So when you're talking about joy, wanting to go to India, when you're talking about, um, Josh, that you went to, to Thailand, um, 
I went to Russia back before we started having all these issues with Russia right now, exactly right after the Iron Curtain fell and before all these issues. This was back in the 1990s. Um, it, it's almost like a call on our lives. And, and, and Josh, I can just sense that you have a heart for missions because you've told me that, you know, you, you said that, first of all, with uh, you and your wife both wanting your your children to go on these trips and that you've been involved with missions before and and before we came online you're talking about uh the fact that there's another mission opportunity to go to uh maybe next month so i i I feel like you have a heart for this and then maybe god has called you specifically to it but this whole safety issue what you brought up you're absolutely 100 percent right because god doesn't always call us to convenience and one of the things that i used to say was to our to people when I would preach, I say, "Are you willing to let God call you to interrupt your everyday life to do something of eternal consequence for Him?" Hmm. Yeah, Pete. Um, I I don't know if I'm called to missions, but I do know that a lot more people are called to missions than have responded to that call. Um. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but let me, I'll, I'll move on because I know we got a little while to go. Um, Thailand is less, it's about 1% or less than 1% Christian. And so that was the second thing that I was really confronted with. And I, I've never been to a uh, an, an entire nation where many people in, in Thailand, I'm talking tens of millions, have never heard a gospel presentation and many people in Thailand, I'm talking millions, is what they think, have never heard the name Jesus. So I, I've never been confronted with that. And and I loved it. Thailand is beautiful. Um, I was not scared at all there. Um, there were a lot of, in the big cities, there were a lot of Europeans there. They go, they go there for backpacking and stuff. Everything's really cheap there. It's beautiful. But they, um, they're very, very religious. There are uh, temples and statues everywhere. Many, many houses, like probably 40 to 50% have something called a spirit house. The buildings and houses, the businesses and houses have a, a small house built on a stilt or on a, on a stand in front of the house called a spirit house. And the idea is that there are spirits that own the land. And when you build a house or a business on the land, it disrupts those spirits. And so they build a small house for the spirits to move into and then very often will bring drinks and snacks to that house and lay them on that house so that the spirits can enjoy those and leave the people alone or at least bring good fortune to the, the, the people. So it's a mix of this animism and spiritualism and, and Buddhism. But uh, there are other countries where they're not Christian and they're, they belong primarily to a religion, but they're kind of uh, like America is becoming, where they're not s- super devoted to that religion. But Thailand is very devoted. Um, the other thing I learned there is there's been a ton of mission work in Thailand. And there are a lot of missionaries in Thailand for years. Um, but Thailand is still 1% or less Christian. And I started to ask about that. And there are two reasons. Uh, actually, there are multiple reasons. One is there are so many mission work, missionaries in Thailand because Thailand is an open country and there's a country near Thailand that is very closed and has 
well over a billion people that we all know that they use Thailand as a base to uh, to to get to the other country. <laughs> um, and so uh, there are a lot of missionaries there that are doing uh, just work and coordination and things like that. Um, the other reason is to Thailand, uh, they are very, their religion is also their, their identity. And they see Christianity coming in as a Western, um, Western influence. And it's very difficult for it to take, take root there because it's just foreign. Um, but that really brought me to my main takeaway uh, from my trip to Thailand. And it was beautiful. We went to uh, Bangkok, then we went to Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, Chiang Kong, and uh, Pyu Yong or some Pyu Yang. I forget the, the fourth one, fourth or fifth. We, but we went all over the place. But we met a missionary couple in Thailand that they, they don't know Thai yet um, because they've only been there for about six or seven months. And they're the only people that speak English in their entire city. Mm. So I, I started, it started to hit me. This group here, these this couple here has been, and they're running a, a house that they don't have any any work for yet, but it's it was bought with a vision that it will be a place to train pastors. Um, it just so happens that there are maybe two churches in their city, and they're both like 10 or 15 people, and there aren't pastors around for them to train, but Christian people always just believe big enough to prepare for God to do something, so that's kind of what they're doing and that's why they're there but they there is nobody in town that they can even talk to carry on a conversation with and they go to a pastor or a church where it's a chinese pastor who speaks thai and he doesn't speak english so when they talk to their own pastor they have to use their phone to use google translate to go back and forth between the two so it hit me really quick how lonely it can be to be a missionary in a place with that few christians and um, then I met several other missionaries who are learning Thai and don't speak it very well, but they're there to work among the Thai people and they're learning it. Um, but that didn't hit me anywhere near um, the way I was hit by the Thai Christians that I met. And they are some of the most amazing people. But here's the thing about all the Thai Christians I met. They're young, 40 and under, 20 to 40. They're all first-generation Christians. Now, just to paint a picture of what that looks like, 99 people, that if you meet 100 people in Thailand, there's a chance that the, the, the next person you meet will be a Christian. And then you'll meet 99 more before you meet another Christian. And there are some parts of Thailand that are 3 and 4% Christian, which means there are other parts that are 0.5 and 0.2% Christian. So you're the first Christian in your family, which also means that your parents, if they don't disown you, are unpleased with you. Um, and it also means that you may not know any other Christians. So here are first generation Christians who may know just a handful of other Christians who are not married, who their dating pool just went from everybody in the country to one out of a hundred, actually 0.5 out of a hundred. And most of the Christians are female. So maybe even less than that. And I, I asked one of the pastors I met, I said, um, there are many of these Thai people that are Christians are now single. 
um, is it because, and he said, yeah, it's because there are not a lot of other Christians here. And I said, well, what do you tell them? Because that's a huge sacrifice to become a Christian in a place where you may never marry. And he says, I tell them that being a Christian is the hardest thing you can do. And I don't think we get that as an American or as American people. But he he finishes that where he says, it's not only the hardest thing you can do, it's also the best thing you can do. And we talk about safety and all that other stuff. But how could you regret running to Jesus because of a temporary obstacle? But then he also tells him, God's going to do things in his time. You just have to keep trusting him. And um, I, I don't know, there was just, and, and I know as we talk about time mission, and we want to talk about culture and all this other stuff, but the main thing that stood out to me is the two things are, it's lonely to be a missionary in a place that is an unreached people country. But the second is it's courageous for a person from that country to become a Christian and continue living as a Christian. Um, and I, those are just two things that I never met before and just really hit me when I was there. Um, I've been on a mission trip to Nicaragua, to Belize. There are Christians. There, it's not everywhere, but there are churches, Christians. It's it's less common than here, maybe. But man, I, I've never met more courageous people that will stand up, can baptized as a Christian, begin to live as a Christian and attend church when they're literally saying to their entire family, I know you're going to be disappointed in me. I know you may not talk to me anymore. They're saying to everybody they've ever met, I can no longer be considered for marriage with you. <laughs> uh, and it just once again, and I, I hope that it did to my daughter too, it just really let me know how easy we have it here. And I, I don't think being an, a Christian is easy here either. Being a, and a, being a Christian, I don't think is easy here. But it's way easier than it is there. <laughs> would you feel, Josh, or would you have just the way you're explaining it? Do you feel like the people there are persecuted if they name Christ? Are they in danger if they name Christ? Or are they more, it's just, it's not an easy path? In other words, they get ostracized or do they get in danger of losing their lives for it? They're, they're, now, southern Thailand, I didn't go to. Everything was in the north, and I understand there's a, a, a decent amount of Muslims down there, and so it's it's different down there. But most of Thailand, I think 85%, 88% is Thai Buddhist. Um, and, and Buddhists, or, or Thai Buddhists, even though it is a lot uh, national, they we've always heard this about Hindus, about Buddhists, is that they're open to Christianity. They're just not open to the exclusive nature of Christianity. Um, so, so to explain that is they believe in millions of gods. Um, Buddhists, I think it's more spiritual and things like that, especially there. So they don't have any problem believing that there's this Jesus out there, that he has powers or whatever, that he's over things. But when you tell them that Jesus says uh, I, I, that no man comes to the Father except by me, in other words, that I am the only way, the truth, and the life. That's when you start having problems here. Um, in other words, I don't think they would have an issue with their son or daughter saying, we believe in this Jesus guy, until they say we exclusively believe in Jesus and not the faith of our forefathers. Mm -hmm. um, and then it becomes, I, I think there's some disowning and stuff, but I think 
probably the 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 time we live, it's kind of like it is here, um, where we don't want to lose a relationship with our child. So we're disappointed and we try to talk them out of it and we don't participate in some of their things. But the the feeling I got was there may not be the the aggressiveness with all of it, but there is just a constant disappointment. And some of them, from what I understand, they're not invited to family things anymore, stuff like that. But that seems to be the extreme. Um, it just seems to be that they're taking on a life where they're going to be treated poorly um, or considered poorly, that kind of thing. So, Don, did you have any other questions? Because if you don't, I, I might have a couple. <laughs> uh -huh. Not really. I'm just enjoying listening to the reality uh, missions and yeah. the cost thereof that, you know, in a non-Christian culture, how threatening that is. I know when my youngest was part of Campus Crusade at U of I, he had presented the gospel to a Muslim. And I think it was the beginning of his sophomore year. We happened to be in the bookstore at U of I, and I noticed he made contact with someone, but didn't say anything. And he said, because if the Muslim parents even get a hint that their child is thinking about Christ, they will disown the child. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it was fascinating listening to Thomas as, you know, as he was working with the Campus Crusade there, crew as they call it, um, to hear that in some ways there's the same type of dynamic present in a very multicultural big campus like U of I, Champaign, that's interesting when you think about mission work that even though it's more poignant and real in Thailand, there's still some of that feeling even in a very multicultural campus as U of I, yeah. that awareness that if they claim Jesus is Lord, what they could lose back home. Yeah. So the, there's, there's a lot of similarities um, in, in some of that thinking. So I, I was sort of, thinking on that realm of how we take for granted the religious freedoms we have here in America and how open we are to all the voices, be it good or bad, there's not that sense of uh, threat, not that sense of that, you know, we, we have the ability to have conversations about many religions. Um, without a sense of being cut off, as it were, at least within our culture, be it good or bad. I'm not going to make a, a value call on that, but that was some of my reflections on that as well. So go for it, Peter, go for oh, it. Oh, no, the, the, the questions I had were, were kind of on the kind of practical side of things. Um, you know, in a way, I wish that we would have had Evie here to be able to talk with her. Uh, um just to see what what she thought, you know, she's a. You said she's sixteen years old. Um, I'm sorry, she's sixteen. Sixteen, yeah, yeah. and um, and uh, just you know, in high school, obviously. And I, I got to see you posted a a uh, quick video of her eating a duck bill, which was yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but my my thoughts were, and my prayers were honestly, I was praying for you guys all the time before you got there, even. And um, and even after you got back, that the that the fruits would would grow from what was planted there. Um, I'm just kind of interested in knowing, you know, what what kind of things she experienced. Has she shared anything with you that was very meaningful 
for her on that trip? Um, I mean, she had an incredible time, uh, but that's not necessarily why she went. Um, it became apparent to me why she went, though. Uh, maybe the third day we were there, one of those missionaries I was talking about, and I, this isn't really why she went, but I think God was able to use her in a couple of really kind of neat ways. Um, the missionary couple that I was talking about, they're both about 70 years old. They uh, quit their job. They're from South Africa. They quit their jobs when they were 50 and moved to uh, Zambia and uh, started. They lived in a hut and uh, started a school and a church eventually. And then they, they left that assignment. They retired, moved to Houston to be close to one of their kids. And um, God called them back again. And so here they are close to close to 70 or 70. And they're in Thailand where they don't speak the language running a, a ministry house. And um, so so what I understand, uh, the lady, she's a sweet lady. Um, two of her kids live in South Africa, one in Houston. So her grandkids are very, very far away. And here this uh, this girl shows up that's uh, just a good age to. Uh, and so they went shopping and they walked around the town together and. You know, I, I just think it was, uh, I'm starting to understand how important missionary care is, especially for some of these countries. Um, and to me, it was neat that my daughter was just able to fill in for a grandkid that day and just kind of walk around with the lady. And 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 she uh, friended her on Facebook right after and everything. And so, you know, it, it was just, it was just neat. Um, as I saw how lonely it can be. Now, it's also... That's why we're that's why we have missionaries. They're they're excited about the possibility about what God can do and bringing God to some place, you know, bringing Jesus to some place where they never heard him. But I also understand there's a lot of burnout in those places. Um, I had a missionary in our, our church years ago that went through some so traumatic experiences that she had PTSD from her time as a missionary. So it, it really hit me how important missionary care is and all. And so that, but to see Evie, for Evie to see that and to see that she was able to provide that value, somebody, she also got to know, because she's younger, she got to know some of the Thai nationals who who are, who speak a little bit of English and they got to hang out and they went to the, went to the market together and they, she got to do these dances with them and, you know, shop with them and all. It was just, um, so it wasn't like this big gospel presentation trip where there's, but it was um she was able to see what how important church community is um some of the value that americans with more money can bring to people in more impoverished situations that are that are you know living as christians and who need community and all and so um i don't know she got to see a lot of that she also got to see it you know She's been out of the country. She's been to Mexico before and to Bahamas, but those were vacation spots. This was like in a real, <laughs> you know, foreign country and all. So she got to see some of that. It was it was cool. Yeah. You know, as I'm looking at our timer here, um, I, I see a couple of different ways we could go. And I'm thinking that perhaps we might want to bring an end to this particular um, podcast and then keep our mics rolling and and have a continuation of one kind of along the lines of the changing face 
of mission work? Because you're talking about missionary care. I don't know that we'd ever really heard those words a lot before, you know, recently. And I, I might like to explore that and maybe some other ideas about how we can partake in missions from where we are or or go to mission fields and do things that we may not have even ever considered to be mission work. Does that sound like an interesting thing to you guys? That was good. Just okay, close well, this one out and start a new one. Agreed. All right. Well, let's do that then. So for um, Don McDonald, who's the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church, and for Josh Kugel, who has been the missionary extraordinaire at this point, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. This is Pete Vecchi, associate pastor for Christway Community Church. And I want to thank you for joining us and hope you'll join us for part two of our talk about missions. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.